Hi everyone, welcome to STEPS audio channel. We are very excited to share our content from STEPS events to learn all about the latest trends in startups, digital media, fintech, future tech, and wellness in emerging markets. You can find us on Enagami, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Make sure to subscribe to your favorite channel and we hope you enjoy the content. Good morning, everybody. Been having, um, I don't know about you guys, but I've been having a really interesting conversation on a number of occasions over the past few months with former friends and former colleagues who, unfortunately, due to some of the, the changes out there, are being made redundant or, or looking for other opportunities. And uh, one recent conversation with a friend of mine called Mark, and he's given me permission to share this, um, you know, starts off the typical way. What kind of job are you looking for? Where are you going towards? And, and I challenged him a little bit. I said, hey, like, why are you not thinking about the gig economy? Why are you not looking at freelance management sites such as Upwork or TopTal or Business Management Group and, and looking at the opportunities that are there? Why are you thinking just about a permanent job? And uh, background in management consulting, he struggled, right? He's like, I don't know, really, really would prefer to, to get this opportunity in a permanent career. And I said, okay, not going to push it too far. We let it go. About a month later, followed up with him, said, hey, how's your job opportunity going? What's happening? One or two little things bubbling for him, but nothing major. This time I pushed him a little bit harder. Said to him, you really, really need to think about this. I think that there's a great opportunities out there that you're just not looking at in the gig world. So we left with an agreement. He was going to try it. He was going to look at it. Maybe take a chance. Two weeks ago, we caught up. He now has two gigs, still looking for permanent work. But one of those gigs is working with a founder of a startup, like some of you guys here today or some of the other people you'll meet. And he's intrigued, right? He's starting to figure out that there's a world of opportunities out there that he didn't think about. Why is this important for us when we think about the future of talent? Well. These are the people we're hiring. These are us, right? So these are us who are taking jobs. And the way that we're thinking about approaching work is instinctively thinking about where is my next permanent opportunity? When we become hiring managers, what do we start to think about? Where is my next permanent hire coming from, right? So we're thinking very linearly. We're not looking at the availability of talent out there and the scope of work that we're trying to think about rather than just building teams of permanent workers. So if we're not willing to do the work ourselves, how are we willing to be able to hire those individuals, right? Um, and that's incredibly important, right? Because if we think about an economic crisis, not necessarily happening, right? The media really are pushing us towards the, the Metas and the Googles and the Amazons making layoffs. Our data tells us and, and data of others tells us that this is a blip, right? We look at the hospitality sector, we look at the healthcare sector, we look at manufacturing, and there's a war for talent in those areas. Yes, you know, some of the bigger organizations around the world have made layoffs, but they're still trending in a positive direction. They're still hiring, they're still growing. And we take it back six months ago, what we saw was that recruiters for the first time ever was the number one job in the world, 
rather than software engineers and tech talent, which had been in those jobs and that position for an indefinite period of time. And some of that is probably the consequence of Meta investing, I think, 10 billion in the AI space and in their AR space, right? And, you know, talent being sucked out of the market, but it's coming back around. When we talk to CEOs and we talk to senior executives, what they're telling us is, is that 68% of them are still worried about talent. Like you guys, like trying to build teams, they're trying to understand the availability of talent. And yes, there are uncertain natures of economies, but the real challenge for everybody is, is that it's still talent that they're looking for. So how do we think about it? The way we started to talk with our clients and what we're talking and discussing with them is around two concepts, right? Anyone, anywhere. When we think about anyone, do you think about the company that goes and what we discussed, right, about looking at that permanent worker and not necessarily considering that gig worker, that temporary worker, that outsourced worker, rather than potentially looking at, I, I kind of like to describe it as a circular jigsaw. At the heart of everything we do is our core work. That's going to be your employees. That's going to be your intellectual property. That's a given. But as you piece the pieces of that jigsaw together, you start to add on some consultancy talent. You start to add on some temporary talent. You start to add on some outsourced talent. And you start to scale your teams and your projects and your work in that manner. You can start to be able to think about, how can I access anyone, right? Do I need the locations? No, right? Do I just need the platforms and the partners and the accessibility? Absolutely. When you think about your hiring processes, so you open up a permanent requisition, you start to go through that process, you invest a fortune in that, you get to the very end. Most of the time, I'm sure you get two great candidates. You pick one, and what do you do with the other? You just let them ride away into the sunset? Do you, do you invest in them? Do you give them another opportunity? Do you consider them and offering them opportunities to look at temporary work or consulting work, or gig work, or project work with you, right? Do you look at the other opportunities that you have as an organization when you think about all the available forms of talent and the investment that you've made in that one requisition, right? A lot of the time, we get to the start of the year, we ask for our permanent headcount. We work our way through that headcount, we probably pull forward, and by June, July, we've exhausted our headcount. And then we look at, well, we still need to get our work done. So then we move to outsource, or then we move to gig. But it's after the fact. It's not considered. It's not thought about. So you get to the end of the year, and you probably have delivered a terrible product. You reflect on it, and you blame your outsource partner, or you blame your temporary work strategy, right? But your strategy has been driven by the fact that you ran out of something rather than starting at it from the beginning. So when I say I want to encourage people to think about anyone, it's starting to think about that from a strategic perspective of looking at, at the beginning of the year, how can I get this work done with anyone? And then we think about anywhere. Our customers come to us because we enable them to look beyond the conventional boundaries of their entities, right? So we're able to work with them to say, hey, Let's look anywhere for that talent. Now that strategy may not work for everybody and that's not the reason to be here, but it is about opening up a world of talent. 
You think about Dubai right now, one of the top locations in the world for independent contractors moving here. Huge volume of talents available here. That is right on your doorstep, right? But how many companies know to access that talent? And how many companies consider coming into a region in that way rather than looking at, okay, I don't have a Middle East presence. I can't get here. So I'm just going to leave it. And I maybe I'll have somebody in the US fly back and forth, do my, you know, do my sales work for me. But are they, are they here? Are they you know, engaged in the local culture? Are they engaged with local people? No. Rather than thinking about, okay, Let's start to look at all of our available forms of talent and then start to look at the available options to either expand my entities, work with in-region partners, or to look at other available solutions out there that can enable your organization to start to open up the talent communities. We were talking about what was on the intro there was interesting, right, was about the talent pools and the war for talent. The reality on it is, is that there was an old story that I read where if somebody built a hospital in the middle of the desert, 600 miles away from no one, there's absolutely no talent available. So you can't get anybody to hire. If you build it in a city with six other hospitals, yes, everybody's employed, but there is available talent for you to be able to access it. Considering how your strategies are around engaging with talent and opening up talent communities, the talent is available. There's locations around the world from you know, high-cost locations, if that's where you need to go to, to lower-cost locations as well. But it's all around the thought strategy and looking at the ability for your companies to be able to expand into these markets and the available solutions out there. Pulling this all together, right? So it's interesting. We surveyed students this year, 2,000 students across Brazil, UK and the US, because we didn't want to just look at the existing workforce, right? We know your existing workforce are pushing for remote work strategies, work from anywhere strategies. We know that, right? You hear that day to day, but with the students and people who are coming in, it's incredibly interesting to see what they're saying, right? Seven out of 10 expect that they can work in a fully remote job. One in four never expect to hold a traditional nine to five job. Now, that one I'm a little bit perplexed about, but I think it's just students haven't entered a workforce because I think we'll all collectively agree that the nine to five job is pretty much gone um, unless you're a, a civil servant. Um, but 85% see themselves holding a side gig. And this one is driven by these student populations seeing two global crashes, right? They saw back in 2007, 2008, the financial crash and the lack of security and work. And they also have seen through COVID times, again, the lack of security, nothing is permanent. They're coming into a workforce seeing parents having lost jobs. They're not coming into a workforce seeing parents in a job for all of their career. So now they're coming in going, hey, I'm going to have a side gig. I'm going to do something. They grow up in the world of Uber food. They grow up in the world of you know, the transactional nature of the gig. And they do look at your workforce and they look at your opportunities and they say, well, I do want a permanent job, but I also want to be able to look after my income and put some protections in place. The other side of this is that nine out of 10 of them are anxious about entering the workforce. So there's a responsibility on all of us 
when we think about building our organizations and creating this globally distributed workforce out there about how we onboard and how we engage with all of this community, right? How do we make sure that we're introducing them into our companies? How do we make sure that we're structuring their work and their environment in a manner and in a way that they're able to be able to be engaged, right? Everything from onboarding through to in-person meetings, being able to engage with and drive talent, being able to build out and look at the systems and the tools and the technologies that we use when we think about how we're able to create environments whereby people are able to work in a productive manner. I was talking recently with um, a friend in the, in the aeronautical industry. And he was telling me about a problem that he had solved using gig platforms, but he also used a variety of different internal technologies to be able to get build a team. And he had built a team of contractors through using different platforms to be able to look at a part that they needed to design for picking up a new piece of an airplane that they had built and moving it from one part of a factory to the other part of a factory. And they had looked at this challenge and they had put it out for an RFP and the prices that had come in were pretty high. And he asked for people to accept it. Could he take on this challenge in a way that was slightly different? And they agreed. Well, they finished the project with somebody from Brazil, a student from Turkey, and somebody from Singapore working together in an environment that they created four weeks faster than any timeline that had been delivered to them, and at a cost of about 100,000 euro cheaper. It was significant opportunity for them to be able to do that. How they did it was ensuring that they had the right communication tools, having the right strategies around how they're engaging with people, making sure that they were able to connect a globally distributed workforce, all of who were independent contractors and engaged them in the right way to be able to help them deliver this product. The other part of, um, so the other part of how we think about this, and, and I want to open this up for, for conversation and for discussion with everybody in the next couple of minutes, but how we think about taking uncertain times, right, that are being driven out there for everybody, right? So we see how people are getting more worried about their careers, more worried about their jobs, more worried about how they see their future growth, right? Taking that and looking at our organizations and being able to make ourselves more accessible through thinking about our hiring practices, right? So going back to thinking about how we're budgeting, how we're looking at from a strategic method of hiring, how we're thinking about using our tracking of FTE processes, looking at our temporary workforces, and being able to engage with all forms of talent are just incredibly important for us right now. We think about um, how we're adapting towards various different types of technologies and solutions, and making sure that we're able to be able to stand out in front of the crowd, taking our brand, looking at locations such as Dubai or looking at Singapore as a startup organization and being able to accelerate ourselves into those marketplaces 
by non-traditional methods are incredibly important to us. But what we got to think about too is our culture, right? Not every company's culture is going to be remote first or it's going to be, you know, hybrid or it's going to be uh, fully on-site, right? We see the discussions, right? We see how companies are debating out there and we see the conversations on social media around which is the best one, which is the right one. There's absolutely no right solution to it. The first thing is your culture of your organization, right? So if your culture and where you want to be is going to be in office, then that's 100% okay. Be authentic to yourselves and then build your hiring strategies and your engagement strategies from that level of authenticity, right? You can still access all this talent even if you're on site, full time. It's gonna cost you a little bit more, right? You're gonna have to invest in office space, you're gonna have to invest in infrastructure, but that's okay. That's not part of the argument of whether or not you, know, you can have access to gig workers or not, right? Be authentic, right? Drive that strategy firstly and foremostly, get your culture right. And then from there, start to think about how you can introduce into that the very best hiring strategies, traction strategies, very best workforce strategies out there, right? So we take authenticity, and then we take that into our budgeting process. And we take that into how we adapt and innovate in our strategies for hiring and building these teams. We can then see how all these various forms of talent are going to be accessible to us. But also, taking that authenticity into how we design the solutions for people and how they work and engage with each other and making sure that we're enabling everybody to be successful. So if we're going to be a fully remote workforce, we've got to think about how we're still going to engage at in-person contact. If we're going to be a distributed workforce, right? If we're going to engage with temporary talent, independent contractors, outsourced talent, We've got to still think about how we connect and engage and build all of these communities together internally. I think the biggest piece of feedback I hear just internally within Velocity Global ourselves, when we bring everybody together once a year, is that sense of community, right? It's like I'm plugging back into the ecosystem. I'm recharging myself. I'm getting re-engaged. Well, if we're going to go and if you're going to start to push towards these models, you've got to start to think about your level of authenticity and how you build the strategies around engagement with your talent communities. As I said at the beginning, right, you know, we're able to look at engaging with gig workers. We're able to ensure that we commit and communicate with each other and have those conversations about driving people towards that type of opportunity. And I absolutely... 100% would encourage you all to start to think about and looking at, you know, from a personal perspective, like what's there and out there for me. And then also from a talent perspective, how am I utilizing these platforms or how am I utilizing these talent communities to be able to start to engage with it? And then thinking about anywhere, this world is huge, right? The available talent is massive, right? There is so many various different forms of solutions and the ability for us to be able to engage with everybody and look at the, that talent, that to think about the various solutions that are available to you is absolutely imperative. And then invest, right? Invest in your people, invest in your community, invest in your future. Now, I'm gonna open up and do some questions if that's okay.
I don't know if there is. Yes, sir. Uh, I'll go directly myself because oh. nobody's reacting. Here you go, sir. Thanks for a very important subject. The only challenge I had, I have 55 nationalities, around 350 employees. The moment we start scaling some talents remote, their performance was not up to the standard. So, and in special job, I can give example, product manager who doesn't, they, they have good talents, but since they are lack availability in the office, they don't understand the business clearly. Maybe product designer, anything red design is okay. We use too much software to monitor them, Slack, Jira, you know, like three, four software to make sure there is delivering the value we are expecting from them. But what do you think about the remote workers in scaling? How this can work? It's okay for a small startup, but when you scale, it's very hard to manage them. Thank it, you. It is, it is, you're right. I think there's a couple of things in there, right? Um, I think from, from, from a perspective of the quality of work, um, you could go all the way back to your hiring process. It's one element to look at. I think one of the things I've seen, we do in Velocity Global ourselves, and this is just an option, but only A players can hire, right? So you make sure that anybody who's in exceeds in your benchmarking or above are the people who are hiring um, and others are not. So it's a very simple kind of piece of execution, but if I'm a B player, I'm probably not gonna hire an A player into my team. Um, if I'm an A player, I don't care. I want the best talent working with me, right? So I think that's like one of the very simple pieces at the beginning. I think you see companies having um, like a culture carrier in their interview process as well. So somebody who's just interviewing for culture and for someone who can fit. And again, in a remote world, like culture is hard. Like it's really hard. We struggle at it, right? It's like, it's tough, right? Because unless you're implementing these practices, and this is a learning we made, Straight up, like we didn't do it properly. We reflected on it over the past year. We haven't been good enough at identifying the same problem you have, culture. So we've had to put somebody into our process. Amazon have, um, have a veto vote. We don't go that far, but we have taken some of their practices of having just one person who's been identified as a culture carrier in our interview process. Um, outside of that, um, sometimes it comes down to like, I suppose the requirements and the engagement piece and getting people in. And that's the trade-off of potentially the cost of connecting people together versus the ability to offer remote work. Cool. Other question over there? The microphone is coming to you. There you go. Hi. Um, thank you for the session. Uh, my name is Zena, and um, I'm a financial uh, and accounting consultant. Um, I'm somebody who chose deliberately that I want to quit my job and, and work on my own. And something that you spoke about at the end, which is the culture. So um, with, I, I did that before COVID, a couple of years before, because of changing of my own thought process and priorities. Um, and I thought with COVID that this concept of remote working or project-based working will be uh, much more acceptable um, embedded within the culture. But uh, recently, I'm working with a couple of startups as an advisor on their financial side. But when I want to work with um, big four companies, like I used to work with before as a full-time employee, and now I'm telling them I want to work as a project basis, they said, we tried it at COVID, it doesn't work. 
um, I work, I spoke to companies who are in the industry, pharmaceutical, retail. They say that uh, project by project basis as a consultant does not work. So I'm a bit confused with what the market wants and needs. And it's, it, uh, you're, I think you're reflecting the reality of what is out there, right? It's this narrow mindedness from a, from an organization perspective about the access to talent and the available talent that's out there and how you can really impact your company with being able to you know work with someone like you right like um, you, you know your experience is like right on point for what you do and yet you're still struggling to get those opportunities yes. um there are and I'll, I'll, I'll reference one which is business talent group um so there is one gig platform out there that looks to circumvent the big four and other consulting partners by taking that type of talent and making it more accessible. So they traditionally look at themselves as a VPC suite gig platform, um, an incredibly interesting one where you know companies are looking for tied over maybe like a CHRO for six months or a you know CPO um, for project-based work or experienced talent, um, and it's one really good platform that's out there. It's called Business Business Talent Group. Group. Okay. Um, just want to ask you something about the um, the um, study that you were referring to. Yeah. Maybe I missed it. Where was it uh, done? So the study. So we did it in Brazil, the UK, and the US. Okay. Brazil, UK, and the and US. US. Yeah. Okay. Fantastic. It's, very, it's it's really interesting, actually. I mean, the reality of that study was that the the most important thing is still the most important thing to students, which is salary. Mm. Right. You pay them enough money, they're still going to do whatever you know that job entails mm. um, and whatever that opportunity entails. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, oh, there you go. Sorry. <laughs> we have time for one or two questions. Please raise your hand if you have any. The, over there, please. Somebody can bring him a microphone or should I do it? Oh, we'll do that. Oh, no, he's coming. There you go. Thank you. Hello. My name is, my name is Mustafa. Um, I've been working remotely for a long time, and uh, I've been working for other companies too, from the big four tycoons. Um, but the main problem that I see with uh, remote hiring is when it comes to a higher career level, when you come to choose to be a CTO or something that's much advanced, it's very challenging because now you have to take up project per project and not more sustainable uh, business when you want at this level of career. Um, so. How can you fix this kind of problem with the remote community? We need to get more people like you, I think, into companies. It is, it's, it's, it's a challenge, I think. Um, it, it's probably the reality of within organizations that certain roles are probably going to have to be within a particular banding of time zones. Um, and I think as companies create, you know, create their systems and their ecosystems, it's, it's incumbent on them to design it around that. I think if you're a job applicant and you're looking for those types of organizations, it's to look towards you know, organizations who are painting this as their culture. So painting you know, remote work, remote first, and driving that strategy, um, rather than ones who are maybe drifting into that space because they feel like it's a necessity. My question is really a bit more about the um, career progress part because usually it's project by project and um, people get disconnected from the final result or if it's a long-term project, you, you get disconnected from the final result. You never see the ending. You never see where it went further. Uh, you don't have the team that started it at the beginning. Yeah. So this is the kind of challenges that we really, I really feel the difference between remote and non-remote. 
I mean, it's correct. I think it's, um, as you said, it's, it's kind of linked to the career choice of choosing that path. And I suppose the opportunity to live somewhere like Dubai and enjoy this is a is the trade-off from maybe living in in somewhere, I don't know, remote, like in a remote location in the US or somewhere like that that may not be as enjoyable. We have time for maybe one more short question. If somebody wants to take it, raise your hand. Oh, over there. Can you bring... Well, thank you. Thank you so much for being so engaging with Colin. That's very appreciated, by the way. Deb, thank you. Hi. Uh, unfortunately, I missed the main uh, part of presentation. I don't know, maybe it's all already covered or not, but uh, uh, remote working has, I don't know if it's a problem or not, but uh, it has one issue with overemployment. So when employees are working remotely, they can easily overemploy, right? And it's pretty hard for the employer to detect this. So uh, first question, is it problem at all in the first place if the employee is doing good in handling two, three, five million jobs at the same time? Yeah, and if it's an issue, how can an em employer handle this? Two great questions. I think one is, um, is it an issue if somebody's taking on two or three different jobs? I, I think that's, first of all, on their ability to deliver the work. If they're delivering the work at the level that it needs to be delivered at, then you got to be happy with that. I think as an employer, um, making sure you're clear and then, and, you know, in that relationship, so the employer and the employee or the independent contractor being clear in that relationship that um, I'm going to take on some extra gigs, making sure that people, you know, know how much time you're invested in it is, is the first piece. I think from an employer perspective, it's a choice. I think the bigger risk is actually people moving around the world and being in locations from a tax perspective that the employer doesn't know them to be there and being able to understand that um, there is tax requirements on risk on the, on the employer that maybe the employee doesn't necessarily understand. We saw that a lot around Europe and a lot of the European governments during COVID waived it. Um, but there is a, a significant risk placed on employers um, from a compliance perspective if you don't know where your employees are. So I think we'll probably see an evolution in employee, I, I hesitate to say the word tracking, but I think you know location identification, understand where people are because of the tax risks that are, are being potentially placed on companies. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the episode. You can find our content on Angami, Spotify, and Apple Podcast. Follow us on social media at Step Conference and let's stay in touch.